The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning and welcome to the 3CR Spoken Word Programme. Um, my name is Di Cousins and today I'm interviewing Kerry Scuffins, who's a Melbourne poet who's been writing poetry all her life and she's just released a new book, The Million Star Hotel. Welcome, Kerry. Thanks, Di. So um, before we start to read some poems, I just thought it would be nice to know a little bit about your history. Um, so... Tell me about when you first started reading publicly. What brought you to that? Well, I've always written, but I started reading out in public uh, not long after my baby daughter died. I One of my ways of grieving was to say, okay, what is important in your life? What do you think you're here to do? And it was poetry. Great. And the funny thing is, I walked into here because I used to listen to people in performance many years ago and I met Ken Smeaton and he directed me to the Leinster Arms where I met such um, salient poets as Shelton Lee, Komnenos, Vicky Videkis, um, Lauren Lee Williams, gee, just so many, Eric Beach, Homer Reith, I found them all there and it was like finding a family. And not only that, I was so nervous reading, I was surprised that anyone paid any attention to me at all. But people came up afterwards and they said they thought my words were good. Yay. And that was enough to set me on the track, I guess. Great. That's a, that's a great thing. And I think that's been one of Melbourne's strengths always has been the sense of poets' community you know, that people support each other and listen to each other and, and understand each other's work. There's a way of relating the work to other people. That's really true. I think that the community of poets is one of the best communities out because we do support each other. It's the least racist because we're from all different races and cultures. And, um, yeah, a lot of us, have. everyone has a hard life. But a lot of us are really broken and I think people can relate to that and um, reach out to it if they're real human beings. Yeah, and often it's in that experience of um, suffering or, or whatever that you find the, the poetry, the poetical voice comes out of those hard experiences and strong experiences and difficult moments in life. Absolutely, and I think um, for a lot of us it's very true if we couldn't write it down I don't know what we'd do with it <laughs> I for instance am a fairly I suppose you'd call it dark poet in that I I do see the downside of things but I do also try and see the hope that is there as well and instill that so that's not all just you know we shouldn't be doing this we shouldn't be doing that it's more you know what Je John Kennedy said uh, you know I see a world that could be and wonder why not. So now you've put together seven poetry books over the last three or four decades, whatever it is, and the latest, latest one's called The Million Star Hotel. Now tell me, what's a million star hotel? 
It's actually a, an old Bushman term for sleeping under the stars. And I was told it by a friend of mine who heard it from a friend of his, the way things get around. It's an old saying and some people know it, some don't. I wrote the poem about the Million Star Hotel, about sleeping under the stars in the bush. And then I went, I have to write a flip side poem. I have to write the other side of the coin, how it can be different, you know, especially in the city. And that's when I wrote the Muted Star Hotel. Because at night in the city, you see the orange glow of the sky and you can barely see the stars except from, you know, vantage points. It's one advantage of being in the burbs. You can see the stars a lot more. Now, this poem, The Muted Star Hotel, it says for Owen, among others, and I, I think that would be Owen Danby, wouldn't it? Who That's right. Melbourne yes. poet and a fixture at the Dan O'Connell Hotel who passed away recently. He's, he was a fixture, all right, and I loved Owen. I remember once I helped him pick up all his poems that he was just throwing around in the park and helped him pack up his sleeping bag and asked him where he was sleeping. And he said, um, at Melbourne Cemetery. And there were other people I'd met that had, were sleeping at the cemeteries. The Muted Star Hotel is for Owen Danby and others like him. I spend my nights under the spell of my place in the Muted Star Hotel. Above the orange glow of freeway lights dims the stars till they're lost from sight. When darkness comes, I slip in through a gate that leads me to a bough, lush though dying. This is my tree, room 101, Melbourne Cemetery. I dread the cold more than the ghosts. They'd be company, I'd be host. It's more the living that I fear. I keep my bag and banjo near. I crawl out when the day is bright and with bag and banjo go trawling light. I sing my songs about what led to hell. Room 101, the muted star hotel. You should write a book, some say, as they flip a coin and pass on by. Black hat at the end of the day, yields $7.20, my pay. A can of beer, a loaf of bread, then I head to the fantastical palaces of the dead and the unmarked graves and the trees I know well. Address... Melbourne Cemetery, Muted Star Hotel. It's a brilliant poem. Thank you so much. Mm. I, you know, with both of them, they came so quickly and, you know, sometimes when that happens you think, oh, it's slight or it's toss-off or something. But, yeah, with these ones they sort of goo on me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's yeah. great. Really nice. Yeah. And um, and a lot of your work actually is a you know focuses on skies and birds and you know the sort of world around you that you can sort of hear and see and feel and I do love nature. Mm. I do love animals. Yeah, mm. Mm. Um, and I do mourn what's happening to our planet. Yeah, I mean. We don't have another one. No, we <laughs> don't have a spare, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. And there's also a strong autobiographical element in your work as well. Um, yes, yeah. it sort of creeps in. Mm. <laughs> so what would you like to read next? 
Ah, magic. Magic isn't real, my father said. It's all illusion. He was speaking of magicians' tricks, but I took him literally. I was young, but I saw magic everywhere. Voices called my name. Forms flitted at the edge of vision. I had a secret wish to be a witch. I saw the mother in the leaves and gods in clouds. After Pa told me this, I remember breath-misting a window between the inside world and the out. I traced symbols, signs. I didn't know what they were or spoke about, but still I whispered, Dad was wrong. Though Dad was never wrong. I was too stunned to question, as I usually did. Just a kid, neon sign in my head. Daughter turned to witch, bound to stake, waiting for match. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, there's um, another autobiographical poem called The Tracks, which um, <laughs> which um, also, you know, talks a lot about, I mean, it's very open about some of your your experience. This actually sprung from um, my interview with on Radio National, Poetica, when we still had one. <laughs> yeah, what a shame yeah, it was that. it was, wasn't it? Mm. But um, the announcer announced me as a poet from the other side of the tracks. <laughs> it's a bit Radio National, I, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm never going to get rid of this stamp that I got in my 20s and shed in my 30s, but, you know, and now I'm, what, 58? <laughs> And I've still got one foot nailed by things I did in my 20s, you know. So anyway, this is the tracks. A poet from the other side of the tracks, the announcer says. And I get to wondering about these tracks. Who laid these lines? Is the other side where the poor, the shunned, the rebels and villains live? Is the this side reserved for... Normality, conformity, wealth. As a child, I suppose you'd say I was born on the right side and must have crossed them early as rebel and poet, seeking to see. Booze and cigarettes could be found all over the tracks, but my time as a junkie nailed one foot forever to the wrong side. Yet I went hopping from one side to the other, Bent on the straight side, straight on the bent side, sometimes in despair, just sitting in the middle of the tracks, waiting for a train. Mm. Indeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's, um, well, I guess there aren't an awful lot of poets on the right side of the tracks, perhaps, you know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want there to be tracks at all. No, let's get Even the, the trains don't run on them properly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <sighs> yes. Um, so also I, um, there's a lot of really nice poems in here. Um, now I, I really like 3CR being in Fitzroy. I've thought um, you might like to read Pirates of the Fitzroy Streets. I would like to read that poem mm. from Marcus Duffy. Mm. His brother Reuben gave me the... Um, first line for this poem and it's based on a true story. 
for Marcus Duffy, Rage in Pleiades. Our own Captain Jack Sparrow, dancing on planks, swinging from the riggings, yanking at ties, a twinkle in your eyes, oceans blue in your eyes. You taunted the kraken, laughed at Davy Jones, took a rest on a dead man's chest, rattled at bones. You shipped the black angel through cyclones you'd rider. Your middle name danger, dangling, the web or the spider. Mercury blood and feet born to roam, till one tease too many took you down, son, sent you home. And tell me, who was Marcus Duffy? Marcus was a kind of Fitzroy character, extremely intelligent young man, um, very wild, and known by many, many people, and just a real one-out-of-the-box character, if you know what I mean. There was no one like Marcus, and that's probably lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I would be forgiven for saying that by certain people, but Marcus had charisma too. He was very charismatic. He was very clever, and, you know, I had a lot of long philosophical raves with him, for instance, things like that, you know. And he, he met a sticky end or...? And um, at the end, he died in an accident. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it was hooning around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we might just go to a track.
that was Dan Sultan um, from the album Buried Country and uh, the favorite one of my favorite songs, Old Fitzroy. Um, this is the 3CR Spoken Word program. Um, my name is Di Cousins and today I'm talking to Kerry Scuffins, who's a Melbourne poet who's just released The Million Star Hotel, which is a, her seventh poetry book. The cover of the book is uh, very beautiful. It's got a photograph of a white goshawk, um, which comes from uh, Kerry's brother, Martin Scuffins, and he runs um, the Lee Valley Hawk and Owl Sanctuary. So, Kerry, what would you like to read next? I'd actually like to read a short poem called Bring the Boys Home. Um, I'm very anti-war, but I don't blame soldiers for, for wars. I blame fat, rich old men with their own interests at heart. And um, I just think soldiers are, are gold and trained and think they're doing the right thing for the most part. I'm not saying all. But anyway, as many soldiers have committed suicide since coming home from Iraq as have been killed in action over there. So this is called Bring the Boys Home. Placing a returned soldier in an everyday job in a workaday world must be like trying to unteach someone to ride horses. You can take the horses away and tell the riders not to think about horses anymore, but you can't erase the skills or the memories. You can't bridle the nightmares and lead them out of dreams. Yeah, beautifully said. Mm. Mm. And while we're on horses, I'd like to do Brumby's Run because I don't know if people know this either, but um, our Brumbies are often culled by helicopters from the sky and many of these horses would make perfectly good riding horses and there's a shelter that works to save some of them and it's called Brumby's Run. And this is called (laughs) Brumby's Run for Brumby's Run Shelter and Beaufort, Victoria. And for Colleen O'Brien, the one who saved old digger. (laughs) The Brumby's Run from the roaring to guns, death from the sky. The Brumby's Run. The beauties, the old ones, the mares and their foals. The stallion desperately guiding the fold. But they fall and they die. But not all. Some fly mortally wounded beyond the scopes and meet more rifles, yards and ropes. A good horse costs a lot lot to buy, but we shoot him down from the innocent sky. Helicopters and the slaughterhouse for the riding pony and the working horse. In Brumbies, the Australian whaler lives on. Thoroughbred, Arab and Percheron, and t'was a Brumby stock horse brought the herd home in the Man from Snowy River poem. Yes, it's, um, it's a extraordinary and it, similarly um, camels in Central Australia get culled from the sky. Yeah, but, um, but, but you're right, so many of these animals mm. are, are useful animals mm. and we're just culling them. That's so okay. I might just do, what, two more quick ones or three? Yeah, we, we've got to do the Million Star yeah. Hotel as well. Oh, 
I haven't done that yet. Oh, no, yes, I that's will. That's on page 110 or 109. <laughs> Better do the title poem. Okay. <laughs> Um, Dark Horse Origin, this is for Geordie Alberston. I've written it in her style and after a poem she wrote about the dark horse of depression that claimed her when she was young. He sprang from the void or fell from the wind-dragged heavens when I was 11. I was at school in grade 5 when he arrived. Alive, he raced onto the white page. Black, he ran through whips of wind and stormy weather over empty green fields towards a cliff edge, sheer dropped down, rock-studded seas. I caught his intent. It wrapped me round like nimbus cloud, like lightning strike. I ran with him. I learned to ride him, but I could never turn him for long or deter him from his path. My skills, useless against his power. The calling cliff, the yawing ocean. I have no knowledge of summoning him. Just that he came, snorting and plunging and breathing flame, running over the earth through the rain-lashed air towards the cliff that dropped to the wild water. I knew the thundering of his hoofs was the sound of my heart. I knew he was part of me, bird and feather, Waves in all weathers. He was mine. I was his. And now he was out. Mm. It's a very evocative, you know, symbolic Mm. representation of darker states of mind. Yeah. The black dog and the dark horse are Mm. two two things that come to me. But um, perhaps I'll quickly do You Want to Form Massey, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a true story and I'd like to commemorate Massa because everyone remembers Jill Maher, but Massa has been pretty much forgotten and that's wrong. That's not right. She should never be forgotten. So Massa was uh, a very young girl who was murdered by um, a man with a history of violence um, quite randomly in Doncaster, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing how these men with histories of violence are so often allowed to commit violence again. Because the system can't cope with them and they keep letting them back out on the street. Yeah, it's it's yeah. terrible. I mean, they just don't seem to know who they have or what they do or, you know, they're not no. on top of it at all. No, they're yeah. really not. They're really not paying attention. No. Anyway, for Massa, she was talking to a bird when he attacked her stabbing her 49 times for the crimes of innocence and beauty. Like fucking Snow White, he snarled in the interview later. She was talking to a bird. Yeah, You don't need a lot of lines to convey the story at all. I mean, you know, like Snow White, I mean... Why did he have a problem with Snow White? <laughs> you know? Her youth, her beauty. Exactly. Obviously saw her as having this privileged life that he would never have mm. and just cracked. And mm. and also, you know, I think when people do things like that, um, A, they're often on really dangerous drugs like ice, but B, they're sociopaths. This, yeah. this incident really made me wonder about the nature of evil, mm. you know, mm. in humans. Yeah. And, it's, and how people 
we've, we've all got it inside us, but most people can fight it and overcome it and become civilised. But, you know, with other people, I don't know what happens. Um, now, you've also got one which references Jill Ma there. Oh, yes. This is – I don't mention Jill, but it's about – it's inspired by Komnenos' poem called I Am The Alley. And Komnenos does a lot of personification poems and this is a beauty. He just describes himself as all the grungy things in the alley. But it inspired me to write this poem about the alley and it's called Alley Meets Sydney Road. What are you doing here? asked Alley of Sydney Road. You don't look the type to be out late at night trawling for bush tucker, lily pillies or the hanging branch of a blood plum tree. You don't look like you're seeking some cul-de-sac to sleep in. What are you doing here? said Ali to Sydney Road when he saw her face peeking. Sydney Road answered in loud drunken voice, My high heels and short skirt are not a device for attracting men or encouraging vice. It's a quick ride home and I thought I'd take it. And fuck you if you think I can't make it. So, did Ali grant safe passage to Sydney Road that night or did he just seduce her in to snatch her from the light? Yeah, beautifully beautifully said. <laughs> oh, I just thought that, you know, one thing I would advise any young woman is to always stay vigilant. Don't walk like you're afraid though, yeah. but be aware. Be uh, aware who's around you, not just in front of you. And I yeah. mean, much as we want the streets to be safe, they're not always safe. No. Yeah. Anyway, now you've got another beautiful poem, The Million Star Hotel, which is the title poem. Which the Million Star Hotel. So this is dedicated to John, who named it to Dave, who relayed the story to me. Both have stayed often in the Million Star Hotel. I often lay my head down at the Million Star Hotel She's the best accommodation, and I've come to love her well. Man and beast lie down in peace where nature spirits dwell, lulled to rest by the whispers sweet at the Million Star Hotel. The rich man rarely finds her. The poor man knows her spell. The mistress deep and magic sleep at the Million Star Hotel. Wonderful, wonderful. It, it, so that was, I mean, when I first heard the title, Million Star Hotel, I didn't get it at all. And then when you explained, yeah. you know, and it is true, like that great beauty, even though it may only be known by the homeless, it, yes. it, it's, it's an incredible beauty. To be, to, able, to look, to look to be able to look up and see just all those stars and, yeah. and just hear the night sounds of the bush and it's just, yeah. you know. Yeah. As long as you don't get a tiger snake in your sleeping bag. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to have a sleeping bag. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, on that happy so, note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, thank you very much for coming into 3CR, Kerry. It's been a real pr pleasure, Diane. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. No, well, it's great to hear you and great to um, hear, hear your book. Thank you. So we've been talking to Kerry Scuffins and this has been the 3CR Spoken Word Programme.